What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. It is Monday, August 17th, 2020. The world is still a shit show, but you still have your beautiful cup of coffee and the beautiful people of your community to keep you inspired, keep you thriving, and uh, keep you on your A-game as best as you can be. But remember that in this weird time that we're living in, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be at your best. It's okay to take a day off. It's okay to binge watch The Real Housewives in New Jersey season one. I mean, production quality is pretty low and uh, low rise jeans are still a thing, but sometimes that's what you need to uh, remind yourself that, you know what? I'm not that crazy. Look at these crazy ladies. All right, on today's episode, uh, it's just me and our guest. It's a one-on-one interview. Kevin had to take a week off, uh, as we all do, hear it again. Um, It's important to focus on your health and to, you know, take a break from working hard. Kevin's one of the hardest workers I've ever met, so he deserves a week off. Uh, And we miss him, and we'll miss his antics, but this is a cool conversation, and it's a different format. I think you'll enjoy it. This is a long-form conversation with my friend Odie Matthews, who is a YouTube content creator, He is a Marine veteran. He works for an environmental agency who work on keeping our planet clean and pristine wherever it can be. Um, And he has also been on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. He and his company go and they do massive cleanups um, where they deep clean areas of uh, their community where a coronavirus case has been found. Um, so we get into that a little bit. We talk about his military background and we talk about his YouTube channel and what it's like being a small YouTuber in a world where uh, YouTube is a huge, huge asset now. People go to YouTube for everything. It's gigantic. You can have tens of millions of subscribers on YouTube now. Um, and starting from scratch is really hard, you know? So we talk about his content on YouTube and how him and I met. He and I have been friends for a about a year now, and it was just really good getting to talk to him one-on-one long form like this. We talk about how he is new to coffee. You know, he's always drank coffee as a commodity, but he is slowly coming into the craft coffee world and exploring it and asking questions. So it's cool to get that perspective. I know we tend to bring on a lot of people who have experience in coffee, who either work in the industry or are already, you know, deep in the hole like I am. Um, but this collective is supposed to be for everybody, including people who don't know a whole lot about coffee. So I think you'll enjoy that aspect of it. I sure did. Quick final note, if you are looking for a little extra coffee in your life, if you are running low on the juice, go hit up upstatecoffeecollective.com and uh, pick up our latest highlight roast. This is highlight roast number four, where we feature a micro roaster from Mechanicville, New York called Constellation Coffee Roasters. They have this beautiful blend called the Endless Summer Blend that is both approachable and impressive for it's, it's got a really nice body, it has a nuttiness to it, a little tart sweetness. Um, and it has a mouthfeel like black tea. Highly recommended. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order at checkout by using the discount code CONSTELLATION10. That's C-O-N-S-T-E-L-L-A-T-I-O-N-1010 at checkout. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
you know, you're a handsome guy well, walking around there. You probably were carrying nine <laughs> bags, you know? <laughs> a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. He was like, are you Odie Matthews? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, dude, I love your YouTube channel. And I was like, that's got to feel so good. Thank you. It's just weird because it's just, it's just a weird feeling. But anyways, it's a whole other thing. Well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast, Odie Matthews. Um, welcome to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, where we talk about coffee and people and being creative in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. Um, you and I have known each other for, a, I don't know, what, like a year, maybe a little less? Yeah, probably a little, maybe right around a year. How did, how did we meet, Odie Matthews? How did we meet? <laughs> we met on uh, Xbox Live. Xbox Live, baby. There we go. Friendships are... Yep. <laughs> are <laughs> Our friendships are honed in steel. It's in, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in the Destiny universe, yeah, in man, the, we played the Destiny. two a.m. two a.m. raids. That's how it, yeah. that's how it all started. Yeah, you know, some just oh, God. I'm all about the asides today. Uh, a quick <laughs> aside being like, you know, I don't know. You've probably you've played in a decent amount of LFG groups that would be looking for gamers for or looking for group for those of you who don't play video games often. <laughs> um, you know, like you'll sometimes get in a group where you just no one's jiving. You know what I mean? Nope. And everyone's just kind of like not friendly. And then you'll get in a group where like you crack a little joke and everyone's like, oh shit. And like they're your buddy. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what happened to us. That's literally what, because yeah. I mean, we met, there was a mutual friend, LFG, and then you came in and then yeah, years, here we are a year later. Still, still kicking yeah. it. Yeah. We started a clan together and man, just ugh, good times. Um, I want to talk to you today about like, well, first of all, you know, you and I can kind of just, we, we, we can kind of spar back and forth on just like the, you know, the, the friendship that we've created over, you know, such a, like a, such a silly thing as a video game and like what that's like today. But you're an interesting person in and of <laughs> yourself. You come from a military background and you left the military and now you have a YouTube channel, you're a content creator. Um, and I can't wait to dig into all of that, you know? Oh yeah. Um, one of the, one of the segments you might know, cause as you said before, you, you are an avid listener, which I appreciate. I am a fan as well as a friend. So <laughs> we appreciate that. We love friends here. Um, I want to ask you, who are you? How are you? And what do you do? Okay, so who am I? I'm Odie Matthews. How am I? I am fantastic. Just, you know, living in a COVID world is interesting to say the least. <laughs> and I what do I do? So my actual job, because I don't make any money off of YouTube, uh, wish I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I work for an environmental company out here in the wonderful state of Utah. So Ooh, that's my that's civilian really cool. job. Yeah, yeah, your civ job, baby. Yeah. I love it. So... Well, um, so most people online will probably know you as Odie Matthews, you know, uh, content creator. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do in your civilian job. What's that like? Utah's a beautiful state. Environmental conservation is a, is a, is a wonderful sounding job, but what is like that? What does that entail? So it's not as uh, glamorous as like going out and picking up plastic from the ocean and saving the whales. I wish... <laughs> Um, so my company, what we what we basically do, we're all across North America, Canada, uh, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. 
basically we're like an emergency response unit. If there's a tanker that flips over on the highway, if there's a pipeline that busts, if there's a store that has a giant spill of bleach, we go in and we clean it up according to like certain rules and regulations to make sure that it doesn't hurt the environment. A lot of what we do out here in Utah, well, a lot of what we've been doing lately is COVID cleanup. So if a building gets a COVID case, we go in with like special chemicals and full hazmat suits and decon and get rid of the virus and clean oh, it for shit. them. So that's been a majority front line. My company has been on the front lines and I as well have been on the front lines of kind of like aftermath COVID. You know, it's a little, you can't prevent it, but we go in once it's been there to help them get rid of it. So that's been fun. So you're probably sick of the C word then. <laughs> I mean, I, I get home because I mean, I, as you know, from just trying to get on Xbox together, I work some really weird hours. Yeah. And there's times where I'll start at like 5 a.m. and it'll be seven o'clock at night. And I'll be walking in the door and then I'll get a phone call. Hey, we got another COVID case. We got to go right now. And then I'll get oh home at like 1 a.m. Yeah. So um, it's it's a variety of things. We we do all kinds, especially with like pipelines and everything. But most of it is just. If something is dangerous to the environment and it could potentially hurt something, we go and take care of it. So it's it's really fun. I like it a lot. And that probably, I'm imagining that brings you a little bit of like, a little bit of, uh, maybe joy isn't the right word, but it, it probably brings you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, it's a feel good kind of a thing. You You feel like you're making a difference in the world. Oh yeah, I definitely feel fulfilled when I get home. Even though I have like, there's days where, I'll be suited up and just neck deep in like oil and sludge and gas and just sweating in a 120 degree like confined space tank. And then I get home and I'm like, well, at least that tank is clean and hopefully no one gets hurt. So that's really cool, man. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't like to get super political on the, on the, on the podcast, but that Let's must, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I won't go deep, but it must, it must give you a certain frame of reference for the world and the way that we treat our environment just as like a capitalist society it must give you this kind of like disdain for for like the fact that capitalism is above all things growth over everything right oh yeah so one of the main things that we do is we go to landfills quite a lot um and we have our own disposal facilities that are in-house a lot of them actually out here in utah like incinerators and a recycling kind of area that we have but you go to landfills and you go to dump because some stuff just can't be disposed of other right. than a landfill which is part of the problem right there is that there's stuff that exists that has to go to a landfill and you just go to the landfill and you're dumping whatever you're in and it's just you just it's just crazy landfills yeah. are ridiculous and there's so many of them across the country that you don't really realize how much waste you're really producing because it was interesting since we're talking about this and i yeah, yeah. i know about it um there was a lady that did she wanted to see how much she could recycle without throwing anything away and at the end of the year it was only about like a mason jar worth of stuff that she just couldn't recycle that she had to throw away she I was able hear to about recycle this yeah the, so the mason jar is, is is that that's a really um that's a really bold picture that that sticks in your mind so i do remember that yeah um i I got to ask, um, what's like, <laughs> what's the worst, like, what's the worst thing that you found yourself in the worst, like pile of sludge you found yourself? Cause when you say, when you say like, <laughs> you know, picking up, uh, oil spills, I'm thinking in my head, the Dakota pipeline, I'm thinking like these, yeah. or, or like, you know, BP when they, when they emptied their tanker into the 
uh, gosh, this is a look up. Do you remember which ocean it was? BP? Off the coast of Florida. I know that. Or Texas, somewhere. Is oh, yeah, because it was, it was in the Gulf. Yes. Yes. Um, well, if you remember, I don't know. In Florida, we had this thing called uh, Red Tide, and it killed a lot of fish. And we were out there in boats picking up dead fish out of the ocean. But the worst thing I've ever done is literal human feces. Oh, no. I was uh, Yeah, it was feces tank. <laughs> feces? Yeah. Oh, um, It spilled over, and it, and it mixed, and it got contaminated, and it was about to seep into the soil. And, you know, normal feces in the soil isn't bad, but it was mixed with a bunch of other chemicals and stuff, so... That and was, I'm uh, yeah. and I'm assuming that it, it's like a concentration thing too. Like if I take a shit in the woods, it's not a big deal. But if we empty, uh, well, um, if we empty like a septic tank out into into the ground, that's not good for the plants and the the animal life, right? I mean, especially when it's mixed with harmful chemicals, because yeah. it, it yeah, it seeped into another tank that was being cleaned, and they were using a certain chemical agent on it, and then when that mixed, it kind of bubbled and boiled and. It was just, it was a mess. So yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Upstate Coffee Collective (laughs) podcast where we talk about boiling shit. Um, But yeah, so fun times. That's amazing, man. Uh, You're doing good work for for the earth, you know, for our our livelihood, you know, whether or not you want to chalk it up to that. Uh, Every little thing that we do does matter in some way you know from the mason jar lady to uh i'm sure you've heard about uh the the folks that created um uh you know the the great pacific garbage patch they created oh yeah that like massive like machine that just kind of like goes around the garbage patch and like picks everything up and then they bring it back into shore and they actually use that garbage and they create um like products, you know, merchandise for their company, like t-shirts and shit like yeah. that. It's funny because working for an environmental company, talking about YouTube, what I, what I do, all the companies that I try to work with or, or do anything on my channel with are all environmentally friendly, either blue sign certified, which means that all their emissions are eco-friendly or all their materials are made from recycled materials. And I try to really focus in and I try to for people that watch my YouTube, they know that's one of the main things that I try to hammer in is that if you're gonna get a product, you wanna get a product that helps the environment, not hurts. And all these companies are trying to make that a thing. Maybe not 100%, but at least they're trying and they're putting in the effort and they're doing somewhat towards reaching that goal, which is what counts. It's finally becoming cool to be environmentally (laughs) friendly. I did it before anybody though, so. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of your YouTube channel, let's let's pivot to that a little bit because um, when I met you, I just, you know, I didn't know much about you, right? We, we were just playing right. video games together. Um, and then you mentioned like offhand in our discord chat or something <laughs> that you were like, you were putting up a, a new video or I don't know how it came to be, but then I, I got on your, your YouTube channel and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got like <laughs> 200 subscribers. Where are you at right now? I am at like 620 whoa dude you tripled since since i saw you or or since i discovered your youtube channel so yeah that's pretty amazing uh so in the last month i've gone up 120 something subscriber 130 no 130 something subscribers in a month that's amazing yeah it just started to it's slow it started to take off and it's it's continuing upwards which is incredible It's, uh, it's awesome well i mean as you know and i can tell from the you know the 
periodicity that you upload consistency is like 80 percent of the game you know yeah quality content will come with the consistency as well as you're learning why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about what what the youtube channel is about what you're trying to what you're trying to like you know educate people on or what what you're trying to put into the world okay yeah so a little backstory and this kind of also pivots into the military thing Mm -hmm. a couple a couple years ago probably three years ago i bought a backpack that was it was on my facebook and it kept popping up and it was from this company called wandered and I was like, man, I really want this bag. I like it. And it was expensive. Like, you know, if you go to the Walmart and you buy a backpack, it's like $20, $30. Right. And it might last you a year if you're lucky. It's definitely going to rip at some point. But this backpack was like, I think it was like $250 when I bought it. And then I found another YouTube channel that just kind of like talked about travel and backpacks. And I was constantly traveling for the Marine Corps. I was, in, I was on the West Coast. And the next thing I know, I was in Europe. And then I was traveling all across Europe. And I was like, man, trying all these different bags and everything. So when I came back to the States... I started collecting backpacks as like a weird hobby. Some people collect coins and some people collect, you know, like snow globes. And for some reason, I decided to collect backpacks. And I found the more I collected and the more I used and the more I traveled that if you really, and this is kind of, I guess, what the whole point of my channel is. If you, when you travel, you want it to be as simple and easy as possible. If you have to struggle with any aspect of planning a trip or being on a trip, it can take away from enjoying the moment. And I think if you're going on vacation or if you're going on a business trip, whatever it is, there's already going to be stress involved. And one of the ways to take away that stress is if you don't have to check a bag and wait at the carousel for 45 minutes, if you can make it easily through security. And I found that if you have a backpack that that lets you carry what you need and it has access to everything you need and it's easy to get through security and you can put it in the overhead bin, you don't have to check a bag. And then when you get where you're going, you're out the gate, you're done. Or if you're on a business trip, you're out the gate, you're done. I don't know, it just makes life a lot simpler in that aspect. And I just found myself continuing to grow off of that. And now my channel is kind of pivoting more into the second video a week that I started releasing today, actually, um, is more about like lifestyle and how to implicate these things into your lifestyle. And just, you know, having a healthy body, mind and soul makes lifestyle just easier. And it sounds weird because it's a backpack, but if you don't have to worry about the littlest things in life, then it makes life easier. And I think that's just one of the things. Well, I, I feel like the, your collection of backpacks is kind of like an homage to travel and homage to like finding comfort in the unfamiliar, right? Oh, so yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I think snow globes fucking suck and backpacks <laughs> are in. So. Exactly. And I've traveled, I, I travel all the time for my job. I, I'll, I'll fly to another state, I'll drive to another state, and I'll, I'll help out, I'll work, I'll do different things. I traveled all the time in the Marine Corps and when I was over in Europe. I just travel on vacation. My fiance and I, we, we've gone on so many different trips and locations and places and things, whether it be hiking with a tent or jumping on a plane and going somewhere for a couple of days. So we travel a lot, and the more I travel, the, the better I get at it in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got it down where I can pack a backpack with like three shirts and maybe a pair of pants, and I'm good for a week. Like, yeah. you just, I guess it also kind of rolls into, which is something I'm practicing, minimalism, you know, just trying to cut down. Dude, I was going to like make a minimalism joke. Like you're almost like a minimalist, but you actually are kind of in a way, you know, preaching minimalism. And I love that because I'm all about that lifestyle. Uh, I I will say I have a lot of work to do. I'm definitely not a perfect. (laughs) I wouldn't even call myself a minimalist because I would get shit on on the Internet. But 
Um, there are certain mindsets. I actually read a book uh, uh, last year called, um, I think it's called Goodbye Things. I've heard I of think. that. Yeah. Something like it's some, it's similar to that. I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. There's also a really good documentary on Netflix about minimalism. Shout out Matt Diavella and the um, uh, the minimalists. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen that, and then I follow. I mean, we all follow Matt Diavella. I think at this point, right? Like he's so famous. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? I don't know. I don't usually do this, but I was following Matt Diavella <laughs> like way back. I'm just putting it out there. I really I, was. I only watched that documentary because the bag they used, the packed one duffel, I owned and I was getting ready to review and I was like, oh, they use it in the documentary. And then I realized the documentary wasn't about the backpack. It was about <laughs> something completely bigger and it changed, but it changed everything. I mean, I've got a, I've still got a little ways to go. I mean, I'm a minimalist who literally has 40 something bags sitting to my left. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm completely there yet, but we... We have really tried to let go in a lot of areas that we just, you know, my closet is so tiny. I have very little clothes just because it's so much easier. If that's the one thing that you, and it, you know, this is kind of part of the, part of the mantra, part of the mindset is if it brings you joy, if it's something that you truly treasure, then you, of course you can keep it. No one's saying get rid of all your shit, but it's about the, it's about asking yourself that question. A lot of these types of concepts circle around the idea of just like present centeredness mindfulness meditation right so oh, yeah. before you just go and you grab something out of your closet uh or if you're cleaning one day and you're pulling all this shit out of a box and you're like what is this before you just go shoving it back in your closet you go hold on a second will i ever use this um does it have any meaning to me or am i just hoarding because human beings are hardwired to hoard in case yeah. of emergency, right? Because we are. Absolutely. And I think the, the biggest kick in my ass that was like, hey, it's time to get rid of a lot of stuff was, you know, about four and a half months ago, we we're getting ready to move across the country. And we're like, okay, my, my company was gonna pay for, to help us move and then that got delayed. So we're like, okay, we don't have a moving van, we don't have a moving truck, you know, we don't have a trailer. And to ship all this stuff is gonna be incredibly expensive. What, can we get rid of everything to where it just fits in our Jeep Cherokee? And we got yeah. rid of probably 80 to 85% of everything we owned, all our furniture, a majority of our clothes, um, not the bags, because the bag helped us move. See, I was able to justify <laughs> that. I was like, we'll put everything in the bags and it'll we'll help us move. We'll put it all in the bags, yeah. great. It works fine, um, and we really, and, and even when we got out here, we were like, okay, we don't need to just buy a bunch of crap again. And we've been really good about that. We have very little furniture in our two bedroom apartment. We've, we haven't gotten any, really any clothes except for what I've gotten to do reviews on. And that's, that's basically it. It's really, that was the biggest kick that really helped us get into gear is when you realize you have to move and you can't afford it. So yeah, man, I, there's a piece of me that kind of hopes that I move soon so that I can pull all my stuff together in one place and go. No, 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 no. Sell, sell, yep. sell, sell, sell. Um, my wife is, is, she will happily tell you she is not a millennial. <laughs> she loves clothes, you know? She's a classic yeah. girl. She loves clothes and shoes. And I, I tried to, one place we were able to kind of uh, come to an agreement was um, if you're going to buy something, do like the one in, one out method, right? So right. like a new pair of shoes, Figure out which ones are banged up or you never use and get rid of them. 
I do that. We, we do it with coffee mugs too. Cause you know, I, I love coffee gear and I have a whole cabinet full of coffee gear. Um, but if we get like a new coffee cup from a different coffee company, I'm like, all right, <laughs> enough's enough. <laughs> anyway, speak. Um, I want to actually, I want to touch on coffee quickly because uh, we have people on this podcast from all walks of life and from um, all knowledge levels or experience levels in something like coffee. Um, I have family and friends who drink coffee the way that most of us grew up drinking coffee and are just perfectly fine with it. You know, commodity coffee, you know, second wave kind of like dark roasted, uh, no question about origin or sourcing or tasting notes. It's just coffee. It's a vehicle for caffeine. Yeah. And that's totally cool. Um, what I'm trying to do in the Upstate Coffee Collective is, is honestly figure out how to make craft coffee more approachable while also, so that means like if you, if you think of it as like a triangle where the base is like more of your casual consumer and the peak is like the, the nerdiest, like bougiest <laughs> level of coffee you could get. We want to make the base wider and the height, the, the peak higher. So you from our conversations, um, are you you self-proclaim as a coffee novice you're just kind of getting into it um what has coffee what role has coffee played in your life up to this point and and then we'll talk about sort of like what do you look for in coffee and where you're going from there like what you're looking into yeah okay so let's think when i was 16 i went to brazil and i tried coffee for not like the first time, but the first time I really remember because my mom was an avid coffee drinker and so was my dad. And I wasn't like too big on coffee growing up. I mean, they mm -hmm. they definitely liked me drinking coffee. But I went to Brazil, I had their coffee and then I probably didn't touch it for years. It wasn't, it wasn't really until about two years ago when I was stationed in Germany that I found this little German coffee shop and literally every morning that I went into the office, quote unquote, I would stop and get a cup of coffee. And I did that for months and months and months. And then I got back to the States and I just honestly, until I hit you up about like coffee, like, Hey, I want to, I want to get back into coffee. I don't think I touched a, a cup of coffee since it's been a long time. Wow. Okay. So, so that's super interesting. Like, first of all, I being in the military has got to have just a, such a wide variety of emotions attached to it and experiences. It's got to be so otherworldly but to start you're in germany on on deployment and you walk into this german coffee shop and clearly you fall in love with it you you, you stop there every day what was it about that coffee shop that you love was it the coffee itself or was it the environment or the people that served you i think it was literally everything i when i first went in germ like all the german people speak english and right. a lot of people think that Germans are mean, but they're so nice. Like the nicest people I've met, and this is an insult to anybody in America, but so far out of all the countries I've been to, the German people have literally been the nicest by, by oh, yeah. a long shot. I mean, this lady, I remember I was trying to catch a train to the airport when I was like brand new there. And I was gonna go to the airport and, and fly to Ireland. And I was like, I don't know where my train is. And this lady was like, oh, here, I'll show you. She missed her train to show me mine. And like, that's wow. just not something you see every day. And she was like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, it's fine, it's no big deal. And I was like, it's insane. 
But the coffee shop itself, uh, the coffee was amazing for one. Mm-hmm. Like surprisingly, not only does German like Germany have great coffee, they have great pizza. <laughs> so okay. that was surprising okay. too, because I also went to this pizza shop way too much. But yeah. um, it was the same. It was the same guy in there that 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 served me. And after like a couple weeks, you know, I'd come in and he'd be like, "Oh, hey, what's up, my American friend?" And I'm like, "Hey, right. what's up, dude? Like, I got you." And uh, <laughs> you know, back then I knew like some German phrases, like how to say like, you know, "Hello, how are you?" and stuff like that. Sure, and yeah. He was just going in there and talking to him, and the coffee was good and. Like I'd even sometimes go on the weekends and just sit in the cafe and, and do stuff on the computer or whatever, which is something I don't get to really do anymore, especially not now. Yeah. But uh, I think it was just really the environment of certain coffee shops, especially going to something like that, as opposed to like Starbucks, where like yeah. in Starbucks, like you feel like you're going to get shamed for just ordering like a, uh, like a white chocolate mocha frappe double whip cream whatever you know and you're like oh the dude behind me is gonna judge me so hard but like in i don't know the smaller coffee shops that environment and the coffee just being good was something that i'm definitely looking for out here as well because all there really is is these big chains it's hard to find smaller coffee shops that kind of have that atmosphere yeah craft coffee is not um we're vocal but we're we're hard to find because we're um Craft, craft coffee is is easily drowned out by the sound the screaming sound of corporations like Dunkin' oh, yeah. and Starbucks and they're just they're more convenient if in our country we don't value um patience and time like a lot of other countries do especially in Europe right yeah we all know America is very go 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 I don't have time for you New Yorkers are like get out of my way they're pushing <laughs> you to the side you know it's especially in the city I'm in upstate, um, so it's a, it's slightly slower here. We're by the mountains. We're like three hours from a lot of like really nice, you know, three hours from Boston, three hours to the uh, Canadian border, um, five hours to Buffalo, and there's all this stuff in between. The Adirondack Mountains and, you know, you can go down to the city, and, and you get very different um, kinds of people all over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different here, but yeah, even in downtown Saratoga Springs, which is the, like the cutest, most like quaint little town in Saratoga Springs, about 40 minutes north of Albany. That's where I'm at. Um, it's really, really just a really comfortable, safe, fun uh, place to be with a really nice downtown. Um, you go to a Starbucks even there and... People aren't really in a rush, but you still get a vibe of like, you're not welcome forever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Can I say something super controversial? Oh, do it. I think Starbucks coffee tastes like coffee throw up. I feel oh, like it dude. tastes like a like a burp. Like if you burped up coffee, that's what their coffee tastes like. That's well, just the truth. <laughs> well, first of all, this is the right place to make a, to, to uh, <laughs> drop a hot take like that because we all agree. Starbucks coffee is is not it's not good. And you know what's crazy? This is gonna blow your mind. Um, <laughs> Starbucks coffee is considered specialty coffee. Of course it is. Why the wouldn't re- it be? Right. The way that <laughs> and it's a very broad definition. The in order to define specialty coffee, um, it needs to score a certain amount uh, in a in a tasting. Right. So so people, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not lying. So so craft coffee. What happens is. Um, Somebody like a green buyer, a green buyer is, is a person who coordinates with importers to buy green coffee from origin, unroasted coffee. Um, what they do is they roast the coffee and then they brew it 
in this really uh, simple kind of immersion way. They basically just take a bowl like this and they put coffee grounds in the bottom and then they pour hot water over it and then they let it steep like that and mo uh, most of the coffee grounds settle to the bottom and whatever's left is a little crust. You break the crust with your spoon and smell the aroma coming out. You score the aroma. Um, there's a lot of steps in between there too. You're, you're also scoring the dry aroma of the coffee, but it's like wine tasting, right? And they have a sheet with all these different attributes to like what they what they taste or smell or experience with the coffee, and if they like it or they, if they think it's objectively good quality or not. Um, and it's a score out of a hundred. Uh, specialty coffee, if, and I'm gonna check myself. This is a future Matt double check here. I think specialty coffee is anything that scores 87 or higher, and Starbucks is in that range. Survey says incorrect. You know, I'm still learning, so cut me some slack. Um, according to the Blue Bottle website, Blue Bottle Coffee, I went to SCA, but I was having a hard time getting the exact number. Um, but according to most people on the internet, including Blue Bottle Coffee Lab, um, any coffee that scores above 80 is considered specialty, while anything below is commodity coffee. Um, and that's why Starbucks falls in that range. And, and in reviewing this and editing this when i said 87 that was that's a rough number because 87 is pretty good um most cafes like to bring coffees into their shop that score around the 87 mark maybe 86 and then anything above 87 is pretty dang good so that would be um a little more expensive we live and we learn uh back to the show so you end up with this weird um and you know what? Uh, we'll have to get... There's, there's a friend of ours named Matthew Loyacono. We shout him out on the podcast all the time. He's a roaster for Touchy Coffee in Troy, New York, which is kind of near Albany. Um, he is all about like, that aspect of coffee, like, like transparency in price and like communication and relationships with the farmers at Origins. So you're talking like the human beings that are growing this coffee and selling this coffee for their living, right? Um, he has a whole, he could give you a whole hour long talk about green buying and, and the price crisis, the, the coffee pricing crisis. It's a huge thing. I highly recommend if you're interested to check it out because you see fair trade on bags all the time, fair trade coffee. That means almost nothing. That means that they're, they're being paid a bare minimum amount that somebody set. Anyways, tangent aside. <laughs> well, um, it's funny because I can I can completely relate this or not relate this relate to this. Uh, words are definitely hard. I say that all the time on my YouTube channel. I think that's dude, my catchphrase. That's yeah. my catchphrase. I mean, literally, like the first couple minutes of a video, I'm like, oh, words are hard. Um, Welcome to the channel. Words are hard. <laughs> basically, uh, but no, like the way you guys care about coffee and how you want like the premium and you don't want to settle for the crap. That's exactly why. I review the bags that I review because and I've gotten offers even as a small channel because I'm very small uh, from bags that like sell on Amazon they mass produce and like the one thing I will never do is really review a product that is mass produced that is sold like and I say Amazon but there are big companies that still sell on Amazon but like the cheap knockoff crappy bags like the Jan Sport like the backpack that everybody had in high school and probably oh, yeah. still do like those are the bags I'll never touch because if you don't care, then that's what you're going to end up with. But if you do care and you want that quality and you want something that maybe is going to last and is not going to break down and is going to look good and function just as good, 
then like that's why I really care about like the bags that I review. And it showed a lot when I I sat down with Wander, the company that started it all, invited me over and I got to sit down at the table with their like lead designer and the the founders. And they gave me a bag that I reviewed. It was on their Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is done now, but they gave it to me ahead of time to like kind of review and use. And they, they sat down and they're like, okay, what do you like about this bag? And I got to sit there and bounce off these like legitimate professionals that like helped me get started with their bag for like an hour, just talking about it back and forth. And that's when I was like, wow, maybe I do know what I'm talking about a little bit if I can keep up with these professionals. So it's insane, but that's, that's the same thing with, I think that's with anything in life is that if you're going to settle for that knockoff cheap brand or that cheap product or that cheap piece of food, if you're going to choose a McDonald's hamburger rather than, you know, getting the good protein beef from the store and making your own then like you're always going to kind of fall short and feel a little in my opinion a little unfulfilled because when you have that quality in your life i think it makes a huge difference that that point right there is is such a huge point half of the time people don't even realize what they're missing and that's kind of the problem because we don't have the attention span to care about everything in the world we have lives to live we have we have kids to raise we have you know dreams and sometimes people just want a fucking cup of coffee and they don't want to think about it, right? Because they <laughs> exactly. got shit to do. Go to um, the gas or, station. Yeah. Right. Or, or they got a kid who's screaming and they don't want to go to school, but they got to bring him to school and they got to go um, end of summer, you know, beginning of school year shopping. And they're like, whatever, this Jansport's 20 bucks. Let's get out of here because my kid's screaming. That unfortunately exactly. is, is a little bit of the reality that most people uh, experience. That being said, I think because. Um, marketing is so good for these giant corporations that they can get in front of you 24-7. They, the money doesn't matter because they just need to be in front of you. Yeah. Um, mom and pop are going to say uh, Jansport, I guess, because that's the first name, right? Nike, uh, yeah. Starbucks, Dunkin', that's, right? That's, that's the other thing, too, is like the more I do this, the more product... I'm starting to expand out from just bags, keeping it so close to the travel aspect because I don't want to break away too much from that but I actually started diving into like the world I'm actually collecting a bunch of shoes right now from a lot of companies a lot of barefoot shoes getting into the barefoot realm um big fan of Kevin will be really mad he's not here he loves the barefoot Ah, shoes so I've gotten a few from some barefoot companies and I'm I'm in love like I don't when I have to wear my work boots now I'm like I hate this but the more I expand out on products, the more I'm like, wow, you're absolutely right. People don't really realize what they're missing out on. And it's funny because I'll get comments on videos and be like, oh, this bag is $200, that's too much. I'm like, yeah, but you won't have to buy another bag ever again if you don't want to, unless you're weird like right. me and you buy a bunch. <laughs> and then <laughs> right, might right. be, you know, but, and then I'll get comments from people that I'll be like, wow, like, you know, I bought this bag and you're right, I love it. Like, I don't want another one. And that's kind of and I haven't really gotten a chance to and I'm working on maybe making a video just to kind of explain my ethics and and stuff like that for my channel but I'll say here first of upstate Ooh, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive um, <laughs> the whole point of my channel is not only just to share what and I'm not a professional by any stretch there's other bag review channels out there that know way more than I do but I want to share not only what little knowledge I have but if only 50 people watch a video but one comment says hey thanks to you i now know i do or don't want this bag it's all that matters the subscriber number 
the view number, the like number, it honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as much as getting the emails or the comments or the Instagram messages that are like, hey, like I like your channel or hey, like you help me decide on getting this bag or not, thank you. And that, like that's the whole reason to do it. Because if you do it for the likes or for the subscribers, then you start pandering and then I just, I feel like you go down a whole different rabbit hole that just leads to destruction. You do, it becomes insincere, you know? Exactly. Um, I'll tell you, I have like a Jan Sport or, or one of those types of bags get out of here. college. Get out of ah, here. Get out of here. <laughs> he gets up and leaves. No way. <laughs> Interview uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have some shitty bag from, from college, I think. One that I had through college. And I've been traveling with it. I traveled with it for my honeymoon. I travel with it for, uh, we went to Italy a few years ago. And boy, oh boy, is that a piece of shit. It's got... <laughs> The inside liner, I mean, you know everything about bags. The inside liner is like flaking and like the, these black speckles. Speaking of black speckles, actually the same, I'll say it this way, the same black speckles that are coming off my pair of headphones right now, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of fabric material that after a oh, while yeah. it just starts falling out. Um, I got two new, two new pairs of really nice headphones over the years <laughs> coming in right now. Pretty stoked. Uh, but anyways... Uh, I'm going to need a little bit of, of advice from you. That's what I'm and you know for. what? <laughs> you know what? Maybe on the podcast, let's ask it this way. Um, if I were to go looking for a travel pack, something that's light and, but efficient, um, f- you know, that I'll take with me forever, uh, what, what do you look for? So that's a really good question because now that I have so many different types of bags and kinds and organization and leaders, and I mean, you're here leaders on bags all the time. This one's 21, this one's 33, this one's 40. Yep. Um, my personal opinion, it's all bullshit. The leaders don't mean anything. I can put two bags that have the same leaders and they're totally different sizes and they hold m- multiple different things. But for me, what I'm looking for now is I, I've gone the pouch route, that's what I call it, where now a lot of my stuff is in pouches or packing cubes, so I don't have a lot of loose stuff around my bag. So when I get where I'm going, I pull up my packing cube, my other packing cube if I have it, my tech pouch and my dop kit, and I'm done, that's it. Maybe my Mm -hmm. headphones are out for travel. But I look for, I think functionality, and the biggest functionality I look for is when I put the bag down at the airport, what do I want immediate access to? Right. And what's most important. So what's not going to be in a pouch that I want, whether it be my water bottle or you know my headphones or maybe I want to get my laptop. How easy is it to get my laptop out? And these are things that people don't always think about. But when you start getting into a bag a lot and you're like, wow, this is a pain in the ass to get to this one thing, mm-hmm. you start to notice it a lot more. So what I look for is like just easy access to what I need immediately. But also I want a bag that doesn't let me carry too much. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on. I still do the bigger bags, but for me personally, I like going with the smaller bags. The smallest I can go on a trip, the better, because then I'm not bringing extra crap that I don't need. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they get a, a big giant rolling suitcase and then they, they fill it up with all this stuff and then they don't even use half of it on the trip or they try to bring more back and it doesn't shout work. Out, shout out to Kenzie Pfeiffer. <laughs> if you're listening, listen closely. 
Oh, shout out to Minigana because she, my fiance does the same thing. Is she, she over there? I see you looking over there. No, she's in the other room. I'm looking oh, at my okay. bags because you asked me questions. So I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 your bags uh, are there. Okay. But she has this big rolling suitcase and I did not want to bring it with us. I was like, we need to get rid of this. For one, I hate rollers, roller suitcases. I don't own any. I won't own any. I don't like them. Backpack is the way to go. Hands free all the way. Yeah. But, uh, I think a bag that makes you take less, that makes you really go, okay, how much do I really need to bring in the clothing area? How much tech gear do I need to bring? How much accessories? Do I really need to bring three pairs of shoes or can I get away with one for the entire trip? And if right. I need to, can I bring a small pair that packs down? Like I have a pair of shoes that I bring with me everywhere and they, they pack down to like nothing and they're tennis shoes, but they're packable. Yeah, I've got a pair of Allbirds that I are, have Allbirds too. Yo, they're sweet. <laughs> they're so comfy. You can wear them even without socks. It's crazy. Yep, but yeah, have, those fold yep. up pretty well. I got Allbirds, Suaves, Lems, Vivo Barefoot. I've got all kinds of different shoes. I'm going through a bunch Love right it. now. But uh, yeah, I think for me, the main thing is, and I think if you're one of those people, and I've, I've mentioned this on my channel before, if you're one of those people that's struggling because you always are bringing too much, just get a bag that makes you bring less. You're, you're going to either make it work or you're going to hate the bag and throw it away and then you wasted money and you're going to feel stupid. You know? So. I love it. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to do some research. Kenzie will get mad at me because uh, I'm already <laughs> I'm already overspending on you know podcasting gear and I've I've all these ideas for the Upstate Coffee Collective. Um, but at least the, the Upstate Coffee Collective, good news, is self sustaining at this point. Believe it or there not, there you go. We make a small amount of money from those coffees that we sell every month, and our expenses are super low, so we are self sustaining. So I don't have to. I'm not paying out of my butt for my hobby, which is pretty dang cool. I was, and now my channel has kind of gotten to the point where I've got enough bags coming in where I'm like, okay, I don't have to buy any more for a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, you know what? Last question um, before we, we, we run into a segment. Uh, I want to... I got to know, so you've got 600-something subscribers at this point. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you monetized yet, or do you have to be at 1,000 to get like, so, AdSense? Yeah, to be at a thousand to get uh, monetized, and I'm not even sure if I'm gonna do it. And a lot of people think that's really dumb. And the reason why is because I I hate ads on YouTube for don't one, and uh, for two, I I don't I have I'm starting to get affiliate links now with some companies, and I think my main goal. Unless I got super huge, if I had like a hundred thousand subscribers, then maybe I'd try to make money off of it so I could put more effort into it. Mm -hmm. But I, my my main goal is when I get to a certain number to do a Patreon, and the idea behind it would be if you pledge on Patreon, all the money from that goes back into the channel to buy extra bags to be given away. Yeah. So if you're a Patreon member, you get a chance to win that bag by donating to the channel. So it's kind of like you pay like maybe a dollar, five dollars a month, and you have the chance to win a bag. Yeah. So. That's actually a really, really great model for Patreon. I respect the hell out of it. Um, there's a coffee YouTuber who's very, very big. If you've ever searched um, a brew guide or anything about coffee, you probably <laughs> found him. He is British. He has cool hair. His name is James <laughs> Hoffman. And he does the same thing. He's really, really, um, really, really popular. He was a world barista champion. Uh, ooh, 2003, Matt, look it up. <laughs> uh, and, uh, he started a coffee company and he started a YouTube channel. Uh, and over the years he's gained a huge following. He's one of the more prominent coffee YouTubers out there. 
and he is a uh, Patreon as well. And it's the same kind of thing. It's you buy him a cup of coffee every month. It's two, three, five dollars, something like that. Um, and people get voting access to like what he's going to review if he's like kind of, you know, unsure or whatever. And then, yeah, he also gives away all of the gear. So he's usually reviewing like coffee brewing gear and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, when he's done with it, he'll he'll give them away to all his subscribers, to his That's patrons. exactly what I want to do. I want people to be able to interact more by doing, you know, like the community asking me more questions, being able to vote on what videos come out, and also being able to give stuff away. I think part of the reason monetizing, at, at, right when you hit a thousand to monetize, I've been doing a lot of research on it. You basically get a dollar or a dollar fifty for every thousand views, and I'm yeah. like. Yeah, maybe I could in the course of a couple months make, I don't know, maybe a, maybe $100 if I'm lucky. And I'm like, that's not enough to make people suffer through ads. Not, not yet. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. And, and there's this actually Matt Diavella for a while was, was all no ads. He was Patreon only, which I thought was a pretty cool model. He got big enough and he realized that you know, doing the actual work for the Patreon was a lot for him. And that he, now he only lets uh, people advertise. He only lets companies advertise uh, if he believes in them, if he uses them, that kind of thing. So it's not just like anybody. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's what I would do. I think if I got to the point where I was, if I break, I'll say it here now, keep myself accountable. If, oh I, if I break 10,000 subscribers, I'll monetize <laughs> because at that point, I'll be big enough to where I'll want to put the extra effort in and put more money back into the channel because I'm never not going to have my civilian job. I love my regular job. No matter, even if I made thousands and thousands of dollars on YouTube, I would still work my regular job because I want to make amazing. A, I want to make a difference, and that's what I feel like I'm doing. But I would just put all that money back into better camera gear, or editing gear, or software, or, or whatever. Everything would go back into the channel. It always yeah. will, because that, that's because you wouldn't you wouldn't be where you are without the people that watch. So you not that you owe it to them, but they kind of deserve to have better content as you get better as you grow. You know, the more people you have, you should make your, you should try to always improve your content, which is what I'm still trying to do. So, well, to, to give you an idea and to take a pulse here, um, for our podcast, we only get, you know, I, I would say we get 50 listens per episode. It's not a whole lot, um, but it's a dedicated bunch, which I really appreciate. Um, and we're growing, you know, the, the, if you look at the graph over time, it's a steady <laughs> slope upwards. It's just yep. very, you know, it's, it's not a huge slope. Um, but in the seven months or eight months that we've been podcasting, I think about seven, um, we've made $20 in AdSense. There $20. you go. $15 CPM for, um, for anchor. So there you go. YouTube, get, get your shit together, YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I can't complain because I might not get money, but I have gotten um, a lot of free, cool bags or clothing. Um, I have a huge project going on right now, which I mentioned to you over text. And I'm not going to mention it here because I'm kind of keeping it not necessarily a secret, but I want it to be a surprise. And I got mm. a huge sponsor for that, which was really cool. And it's funny because when I get, like I've been getting a lot of clothes lately. I've been doing a lot of pants. I don't know why, but for some reason I've been obsessed with pants lately. Pants are cool. And as I get new pants, I found myself just getting rid of the ones that I'm like, okay, I've already tried these, already reviewed them. They're out because I can't have more than like five pairs of pants. Otherwise, it's too many pants. Too right. many pants. So Too many pants. That's, that's the episode. Uh, that's the name of the episode right there. <laughs> too many pants. Too, too many pants with Odie Matthews. 
Um, <laughs> so last last coffee question for you. Um, what is in your mug? I saw you sipping on something, and it's, it's gone pretty, now. It's gone. <laughs> what was in your mug, Odie Matthews? It was uh, the last brew you guys released. No shit. Um, I forgot the name of it, but it's, wow, it's almost like we set it up. Like, like <laughs> hey, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna drink my coffee on my podcast, and then we're gonna talk about it. So <laughs> it's the what was it the specialty brew? Th- Three, I think it was. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, because we're we're just releasing Highlight Roast for this yeah, Highlight. week. Okay. Highlight Roast 4 goes live this Friday, which I'm really excited about. If you're listening to this right now, Highlight Roast number four is available. What are you waiting for? UpstateCoffeeCollective.com, man. Shameless plug. Highlight Roast 3, what you're drinking in your cup right now, that is... Um, that is a lighter roasted coffee from Knockabout Roasters in Galway, New York, a little bit west of me. And um, the coffee is called Manos de Mujer, yeah. which means women's hands, um, because Manos de Mujer is a subset of the Comsa Collective. They're a, they're a group of producers out of, let me see if I remember this correctly, not Costa Rica. They're from Honduras. Mm. So the Comsa Collective in Honduras has been um, has been putting a lot of money and a lot of energy into uh, into women in coffee, female producers, and so uh, and gender equality in coffee is a big deal. Like you know, like it is everywhere else. Um, and so they Comsa created this little small group called. Manos de Mujer, and so it's a it's a female owned collaborative or or collective um, of producers. It's really really cool. So that coffee is delicious. It is like juicy. I spiced it up a little bit though. I'm not gonna Tell lie. Me about it. So Tell I think me I, about I think it. I mentioned this to you before. So when I do my coffee, I like my coffee black. But I learned in the Marine Corps. A lot of people. I never did it until I got out. Well, until I got to Germany. But a little bit of honey. And a little bit of cinnamon. Let's mix yeah. that around, and it is amazing. I got it. Actually, this is my cup from Canada that I'm drinking it out of. I love my Canada cup. It's my only coffee cup. We only have two. They're matching Canada cups. Is that like a tin, like an enamel tin mug? Yeah. I, yeah. We want to get one of those and put the Upstate Coffee Collective logo on it. Maybe a I'd buy bit. it. I'd probably buy yeah, it. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. We're working on merch. Hey, another exclusive for this podcast. Working on merch. Coming to like, you live. I'm going to work on merch eventually. I just want a shirt so bad that it says words are hard. That's all I want. Uh, yeah. That's I want that to be my merch because I say it all the time. But You could do like if you've got, like, you know, even a decently engaged audience of, you know, your 600 subscribers, if they're like, you know, commenting all the time and, you know, they're kind of like your peeps. You could do like a Teespring. You ever hear of Teespring? Oh, yeah. You could do a Teespring thing where like you design the shirt and you say like, hey, if you want it, like, it, you know, basically like sign up for one and the window's this long. And then when when the window's over, however many people signed up, they get made and then you make the shirt and you make a couple bucks off it. But it's a way to get T-shirts fun. into people's hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, I think that would be sweet. Um. All right, so you're drinking the monostatement here. You got a little cinnamon in there. You got a little honey. I'm, I'm digging fancy. That. I'm fancy. You're fancy. <laughs> um, what What was your if now? No, I am not. I'm gonna disclaim here. I'm not <laughs> asking you to like come up with a tasting note because I think you think words are hard. Tasting notes are hard. <laughs> and it's stupid. Um, I think it's I think it's a valuable uh, 
it's a valuable way of describing coffee to each other, but people's tastes are subjective. So what I'm going to ask is what does the coffee remind you of? It reminds me honestly of Brazil a little bit. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's very mellow. It just makes me very like coffee. Isn't something. Cause when I was in the Marine Corps, right, I would survive mm. off of energy drinks. I mean, you're talking like three energy drinks a day with tobacco just to stay up for 27 hours or whatever it was. I mean, energy drinks for life, but coffee's never really been a caffeine or like an energetic source for me. It's more of like, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read this book and I'm going to have a cup of coffee. Like it's, it's like a relaxing oh. thing. You know what I mean? So that's how coffee's always been. So when it smells like Brazil, which is like my first international trip, I mean, that's just what it reminds me of. Coffee isn't your like source of caffeine. It's actually like nostalgia for you and, yeah. a, and a, like a relaxation, which is pretty cool because I, I feel the same way. Um, I often say to people, I love making coffee more than I love drinking coffee because the ritual of making coffee, getting back to that kind of like meditative sort of thing is like, that's when I can actually take a moment and stop whatever I'm doing at work, right? It all, coffee for me started at, um, coffee for me started at work when I had a cubicle, you know, just like everybody else, not a whole lot of space to work in. Um, and I wanted to be able to make coffee. So what did I do? I got an AeroPress, which I learned about through a friend, through some videos. It's a small, have you ever seen an AeroPress? I feel like I have. It's basically, I wish I had one up here. Um, it's basically like a plunger and a chamber. And okay, yeah. Push, and you push the air, you push air down through the coffee grounds. And you, it's like a French press almost. It's, it is very much like a French press, except you use a paper filter instead of like the fine mesh filter that you okay. have. Yeah. Um, and it's really mobile. It's really small. So I started there and that's kind of how I fell in love with it. But I realized, okay, you know, I work eight or nine hours a day. Let me take 15 minutes out of my day to brew this coffee and really pay attention to it. There so, you go. So for me, it's kind of the same thing. It's a little bit more of a nostalgia. Um, for you, it kind of, it sounds like it brings you back to Brazil. It brings you back to those places where you felt uh, at ease, right? Like we were kind of dancing around the fact that certain coffee shops have this sort of like perfect nostalgic like vibe to them that you just cannot recreate anywhere else oh yeah you know you feel like you can get anything done that you want to there it's like a beaut like oh the music playing in the background dude don't even get me started i love like jazz music <laughs> at a freaking cafe oh yeah i think yeah i think it is mainly nostalgic but i also have a way to tie in uh the coffee realm with the backpack realm and okay, it's gonna it. it's gonna it's a, it's a stretch, but I figure I gotta tie these two things together since I'm a backpack guy. Yeah. There's a company called Packed One. Their duffel bag was in that documentary mentioned. Their yep. um, backpack just came out. I just did a video on it. They have a travel coffee brewing kit. I don't have it. I'm working on getting it, but it's a coffee. It's like a little cylinder, and you can brew and make your own coffee in the hotel, and you can like grind up your stuff and everything. And it's a, it's a coffee travel kit. All within it. So in this cylinder, it has a grinder. It has a brewer. Yeah, it's about like as big as a water bottle. 
pretty much. That's crazy. And I'm working on getting it. I just, since I, I mean, I do travel, but I don't really drink coffee when I travel. Yeah. So, but you can also use it for tea, I guess, because it kind of does the boiling water. But it's got like a mini kettle in it. It's got like little filters and got a place to put your coffee grounds. And you can do like the whole little brew system right there if you're ever traveling and you don't want to use the hotel or whatever. I love that. We should do like a collaborative review of that thing, dude. That'd I, be crazy. I will reach out to Pact because they're really cool guys over there. And I will see if they'll send me one. And if they won't, I'll just have to invest in it because I need one anyways to complete my Pact trilogy. Dude, yes. Tell them about Upstate Coffee Collective and uh, tell them we'll do a review of their coffee brewer, dude. Together, absolutely. Yeah, that would be sick. I feel like they'll totally hook us up. Um, okay. Uh, I want to quickly touch on your military background because right. your service is not only appreciated but needed in this <laughs> in this crazy country of ours. And, you know, um, I... it everything being politicized putting all of that aside like we need all of the people who serve our community whether they're police whether they're military um so i want to kind of just touch on that a little bit and then um we'll talk about music and then we'll we'll go to bed (laughs) you'll go to bed you're a couple hours ahead of me i still gotta yeah Still got to go to the gym and stuff tonight. You oh know? my god, yeah, it's eight forty-two <laughs> for me. What? Is, where is it? You're in Utah, so you're probably what six six forty? Six forty-two, right here. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, tell me about uh, your military background. So, Marines, right? Yep. Uh, seven years in total. Um, I don't know. It's really weird. I never really talk. I don't. I don't really mention my military career on my on my uh, my channel at all. I mentioned before I've been in the Marine Corps. I've worn a shirt once. One of my favorite shirts. It says. Uh, Tun Tavern, which is where the Marine Corps was founded. It says mm-hmm. Tun Tavern on the back. It says Staff. It's really a cool, like, little Marine Corps joke. But nice. uh, I don't think I really talk about it that much. I mean, to me, I didn't do anything interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, I shot big guns, and, and yeah, I, I did, like, really cool training operations, and I won a couple medals, and I went to Germany, and I got to travel around Europe. But to me, I'm like, yeah, it's boring. Like, it's not that fun. But then other people are like, yeah, it's amazing. Like, tell me about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know, like what to say about it I, it was some people ma- never leave their hometowns dude true <laughs> that's so. very true i mean it was an amazing experience when i went into the marine corps at, i signed up at 17 i literally i graduated high school a week later i turned 18 and then like two weeks later i left for boot camp it was all like within the course of a month like my whole life just shifted into a whole different direction in high school i was the biggest little shit you had ever seen in your life. I mean, I was terrible. I was a terrible kid. I was a terrible son. I was a terrible boy, man. I was awful. Like, wow, just the worst. And that's, that's a, that's a rough assessment of yourself. (laughs) It's so true though. And I, you know, I left the Marine Corps with this cocky ego, just, you know, screw everything kind of attitude. And it's insane to me that even like my first three years in the Marine Corps, like looking at who I'm at now compared to like my first couple years in is just like, it's vastly different. And it's carried with me so hard in the civilian world that I had to sometimes go, hold on, they don't, they don't think like this. Like right. I've, I've run into that issue with coworkers all the time where I'm like, if you just did it like this, but I forgot you don't because you obviously didn't spend seven years in the military. Right. But I think at the end of the day, the Marines just made me, they, they gave me this urge to help people. 
to mm-hmm. want to do more, to be something bigger than myself. And that's, I got out because of a, of a small injury and because I just didn't agree with the politics involved with the military anymore, which I could talk about that for a very long time about once you're in for so long and you get to, I got to Sergeant E5 and I just started to kind of see when I was in Germany a little bit too much behind the curtain. And I was like, I just, mm. I, I can't in good conscience agree with this and continue to serve like it doesn't bother me. Right. And to some people I've told it and like people I serve with, I'm like, that's why you got out. That's really dumb. And I'm like, yeah, but like it mattered to me. And I, it's the same thing with like why people boycott restaurants or, or boycott things. Cause they're like, Oh, that restaurant didn't, doesn't do this. And that damn you know. restaurant wouldn't <laughs> let me, I, that damn restaurant told me to wear a mask and I'm pissed yeah. and they boycott or, you know, <laughs> that restaurant doesn't serve people under four feet tall. Like, you know, like people boycott things for all kinds of reasons. Some I completely agree with. And some I'm like, you're an idiot. Like who cares? You know, mm-hmm. because they forgot pickles on your sandwich, you know, like, and it mattered to me. And, and to me it was enough. I don't despise the Marine Corps. I, I don't regret anything I did in the Marine Corps, but I just woke up one day in another country and was just like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. It's just not me and packed up and came home and it taught me so many different lessons. I mean, anything you think of what the military teaches you to be a leader or to be mature or to be organized or to make your bed every morning, which is why half the bed is made every morning. And when I get home, the other half is not uh, <laughs> uh, taking a little stab there. I wonder nice. if she'll listen to this. If she listens to this, please don't punch me in my sleep. He uh, loves you. It's, it's all out of love so much, but uh, I had a blast. I met some of the coolest people and some of the worst people. I met some of the, the people that are, are that care a lot. And I met some of the most misogynistic, racist, homophobic people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Uh, all different walks of life. I, I won a medal for doing something cool and I got wrote up for doing something not so cool. You know, I've gotten in trouble and I don't know, at the end of the day, I think the Marines was just an experience that if I could do it over, I just, I wouldn't, I mean, there's a lot of things in my life, man. I was like, Oh, I would, I would do that over in a heartbeat, but even all the bad, even sleeping in the rain in the desert with no tents for three days, like I wouldn't change that for anything or, or right. freezing to death by not because nobody packed winter gear and we didn't have tents again, reoccurring theme for some reason, reoccurring never, theme, no tents, no tents, <laughs> um, you know, sleeping next to a Connex box in the mud in, in, you know, 20 degree weather, you know, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. You know, it's just one of those things that I wouldn't be who I am or where I am without it. I wouldn't, yeah, I just, I wouldn't be this person. And though I don't always like who I am, I, I like that I have the drive to change it. And it's because of the Marines. I mean, that's so well said, first of all. So snaps, (laughs) snaps for that. Um, we're seeing a we're seeing a common theme with the people that we bring on um where they started they started their life um or their career doing one thing and they learned a lot from it but what they learned more than anything was that there's more to life than that one thing and i'll get a little less broad and i'll say um a lot of people especially from our generation start a career start a job, um, collaborate with a certain group of people that they were told were the right people to collaborate with or the right job to go to. 
by their parents, by their elders. And then they got to a certain point where they started to learn who they were. And they said, there is more to life than this. Yeah. Um, and I live, this is me, my life. Who knows if we do it again? I want to do something that I can be proud of. I want to do something that inspires me. I want to do something that changes people's lives. Um, or any number of reasons other than that. Um, and I think that what you just said perfectly exemplifies that. The, the person that we're highlighting for Highlight Rose 4 this month, um, his name's Mark Grammatico. He is a father, he's a husband, and he went to school for meteorology and got a job like in industry and then decided like literally in his car, stuck in traffic on the way to work one day that like this was not the life that he wanted to live <laughs> forever, which I have also felt that before, you know? It's kind of yeah. why I got into coffee. It's this theme of like, oh my God, wait, is this it? Like I followed the rules up until this point and now I'm seeing that like I'm feeling like I'm missing something and, and that I want more for myself. And so you, you have a decision. You either, you either choose to change your life and do something that you love or you sit in silence and you just complain. And you, you know, there are, yeah, there are plenty of people out there that I've met that have been working the same job for 40 years and they've complained every day of their <laughs> life since, you know, and that's just how they get by. One of the questions I get a lot is, well, like if the politics weren't involved and if you didn't see that, would you still be in? And honestly, I think, you know, I got out a year early and I think I still would have gotten out at the eight year mark. Regardless, I don't think I would have stayed in because of that reason, because towards the end of my career, when I was doing stuff in California and then I got sent to Germany, um, cause those things were like just back to back. And it was like, it was a really long time period. I don't remember how long it was of just like, just seven days a week, just being busy and everything. And I was just like, you know, maybe I want to do something else. Maybe, maybe there's more to life than putting on this uniform every day. And I miss it. I, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't miss the Marine Corps every day. There are things I miss about the Marine Corps every single day, especially the steady paycheck. That's always nice. <laughs> and, the, and the benefits, but... Um, can't beat the military benefits, absolutely. Really can't. <laughs> and that's the biggest <laughs> shock I had to deal with. But I just... I didn't know I was going to work for an environmental company. And I had no idea that I was going to ever start a YouTube channel with bags. I knew I wanted to do something with them. But if I would have stayed in, I think there's always a part of me that would have felt unfulfilled. And though I don't always love my job now, I think the more I do it and the more I grow and learn all these different things about this industry, and then on the side of that, the more I continue to pour myself into my YouTube channel because I want to make it the best I can, the more I look at my life and I'm like, you know what? This is better than where I was before. And again, I wouldn't trade the Marine Corps for anything. But it's definitely not something that I, I wish I was still doing. Amen. And now, yeah, now you have a job that you say like you, you really love, right? You, you enjoy ch changing people's lives or, or at least helping to clean up our planet, which is <laughs> something that we need so badly. Um, and then you're also, you have this creative outlet on the side. You got a fiance. It seems like life's going pretty great, you know. Quarantine life, not so bad, right? Because <laughs> oh, I'm not quarantined, unfortunately. Hell yeah, me neither. Because I'm not allowed to be. Um, because like I uh, said, my company's doing all this stuff for COVID, which is awesome. I mean, I'm glad we are. I'm glad we're on the front lines. There are people that I know that are like, I'm not touching that. I'm not doing that. And they don't have to. It's, it's completely volunteer based inside my company. They're not forcing anyone mm. to do it. 
you have to sign a form and it's totally up to you and it's no hard feelings. And uh, I don't know, I just, maybe it's not making that big of a difference because I'm not gonna lie, we go to Sprouts. It's actually the Sprouts I shop at. Three times in one week, we had to go clean it up. We had to go do a decon because somebody oh kept catching COVID. And it's like, come on. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? Maybe it is making a difference. And even if it's making just a 1% difference, it's 1% more than what we were. And that's the start of it. You know, that's where you have to start somewhere. Amen, dude. Oh, Odie Matthews, last question for you. All right. What is your jam? Ah, it's an easy one. Um, So I have, I've been thinking a lot lately about my favorite songs. And I'm going to, I finally narrowed it down to, I think I know at least a couple of them for now. But we'll see what happens. So I think my favorite song of all time, right? And this is a weird one. Not really a weird one, but um, it's Motley Crue, Primal Scream. Two songs that I'm, 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 I absolutely love is uh i'm a huge fan of queen specifically um don't stop me now one of my uh-huh. favorite songs and then my third favorite song of all time is rich girl by hollow notes i'm a huge 60s 70s 80s classic rock molly crew and queen are my two favorite bands of all time followed closely mm-hmm. by hollow notes i mean you just really can't beat the Motley Crue sound. I mean, now they, they're not very good live. Um, but Well, I mean, they're old as <laughs> shit now, too. Yeah. <laughs> but in their prime, I mean, like, hair metal was something to behold, you know? Oh, yeah. And Queen. I mean, I was a huge... I mean, I've always been a huge Queen fan. I love everything about that band. I just... Oh those God. two bands, Queen and Motley Crue, I can put on repeat all day long and be fine. Dumb question. Queen, Freddie Mercury? Yes. Yes, okay. I was glad I didn't fuck that up. <laughs> leaving it in we're leaving it in there it's you all go good. yeah you know, so those those three i guess would be my jams right now will always be my jams always yeah no i love that man um uh, kevin kevin's a big uh kevin's a big music buff but he's a big like progressive music guy you know he's he's in all the hipster shit um he's all kevin is always hold on i gotta unlock my phone with my face come on (laughs) i have uh kevin's always introducing me to really good music and um last week i was saying there's a rapper named amine that put out a new record like three days ago or something like not that long ago and i don't listen to a whole lot of rap but my god amine is so fun he's just like wait how do you spell that amine a-m-i-n-e like anime but backwards oh i see it so it's funny because do you remember because we're about the same age do you remember a band it's probably would have been middle of high school maybe early-ish high school neon trees they had the song animal and the song everybody talks do you remember that everybody talks everybody talks too uh, much (laughs) i can't sing it pulling it up right now on my oh yeah do you remember that song yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So everybody talks, babe. Fun story. So I do a lot of driving for my job, and like sometimes I'll drive for four hours at a time, and I run out of music because I don't always want to recycle the same playlist. So one day I just that song came up and I, on the radio, and I was like, you know what? I wonder what Neon Trees has been up to. And I spent the whole day listening to every single song they have, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan yeah. now. He's like a they fan. have some, they have some pretty good hits. I mean, like not all of them, but like for the most part, I was like, you know what, Neon Trees, 
Not bad. Sins of God my youth. Damn. Sins Certi- of my youth. That's a good Certified jam. Certified jams right there. Neon trees. The old Odie Matthews stamp <laughs> of approval. I just, I mean, it's one of those bands that I'm like, I remember this from high school. Are they still good? Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, I, yeah. so I have to say I used Amine last week um, on, on the podcast. So this week I'm going to, th- this is one, like, if you're going to listen to a recommendation, listen to this one. Um, called Japanese House, the Japanese House. Um, it's so I I would describe it as like a modern take on kind of like eighties synth rock. It's a female vocalist, um, and she it's just her, I believe, and and her backup. I mean, her band is just um like a touring band. This is just everything that she does. Truly from the bottom of my heart, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh Japanese The Japanese House. Dude, well thanks for coming on the podcast such short notice. I literally texted you like what today and you're like, yes, "Hell today. yeah, come on. Let's do it." Yeah, always. I love it. We'll have to have you back on to talk uh more of the nitty-gritty and and you know, maybe get a little political. We can let's, we could talk oh, about our opinions. Let's abs- I would So I don't share my political opinions a whole lot. Um, but I would absolutely love to. Dude, let's I do have like, some thoughts. I have some let's, thoughts. Let's do like an election night podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jesus, that would be so much fun.